Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be back with you um, after missing a couple Sundays. Now, before I get into my Mother's Day message, I actually want to begin this Sunday with a bit bit of an apology. Um, Normally, when we go away for holidays as a family, we communicate that quite openly with you. Often, Jeffrey insists on praying for us before we leave um, and all those good things. But this time, we are quite quiet about it and just want to explain a little bit why that is. Um, This coming August is Jackie and I's 20th anniversary. But you can clap for that. Now, when we got married, I was 19, and I was a prairie kid that had never seen the ocean. And so part of our honeymoon plans was to come to Tofino, where I could see and touch the ocean for the first time, maybe surf, things like that. But because I was 19, I was really stupid. And so what we did is, this was the year um, the big fire hit Kelowna. I don't know if you remember that. And so our plan was we'd go and stay in Kelowna, and then we would go the rest of the way, then we'd come stay in Nanaimo, and then we'd go to Tofino. But because I was 19, I didn't book a thing. Now, being 19 is not an excuse. I think this is just straight-up foolishness. Okay, so we drive to Kelowna, which is on fire, and so all the hotels are full. And so they wave us on through. They're like, you can't stop here. You've got to keep going. So we went through. We ended up in Hope. And we just tried to find a hotel room there. We ended up in this like closet-sized room above the front desk. It was wonderful. Pure romance. Okay, and then from Hope, we continued on. We got on our ferry. We landed in Nanaimo. And then I was looking on the map, and I'm like, well, Tofino's only like, it's under like 200 kilometers away. And being from the prairies, I was like, we can get there in no time. (laughs) Smart, right? So we set out. We got to the Pacific Rim area at about 10.30 at night. And I was like, well, I guess we'll just find a place to stay in Tofino. How do you think that went for us? (laughs) Not well. Not well at all. So by this point, it's become abundantly clear, I am not doing this well. The whole husband thing is a bit of a colossal failure already. And so we eventually gave up on Tofino and went to Uculet, and we found a fishing lodge there. I can't remember what it was called. Princess something. Anyway, and they had a place for us. One place in Tofino said, well, we have an old storage room We could move the crab traps out of it, and you could stay there. (laughs) That didn't quite seem to fit the bill. So we ended up finding a place in the Uculet. By that point, I was like, I'll spend anything if you can just give us a bed. So 20 years later, it's our anniversary coming up, and so I think this is my redeeming moment. I'm going to plan, we're going to save up for a couple years, take some extra work on, and we're going to do a good trip to celebrate our 20th. So guess how that went? So part of what happened was our passports needed to be renewed for our trip. We were going to go to Hawaii. And we submitted them with 
ample time, we thought, and then they went on strike. The federal government went on strike, and so our, our passport kind of got held hostage. So we just kept waiting, kept going, well, we don't want to cancel, because what if it shows up? And getting our plans in place, like we flew out Jackie's mother, and um, getting all the schedules arranged for the five kids, it takes a lot of setup for that. And so we just kept holding on, praying, hoping that my passport would show up. Because Jackie's did, almost three weeks before our trip. Um, and we couldn't get any answers from the government, and we understand their reasonings for that. Um, but in the end, with a couple days left before our departure, we were able to confirm that my passport was not going to come. And so we canceled our trip. And so because of that, the weeks leading up to us going away, I said, can we just not talk about it publicly? Because we don't know if we're going. And, and we didn't want to distract from Jesus with kind of our own problems. And so we kind of held off talking about it. So by the time we canceled, you know, Sunday had passed. And then it was a question of how do we redeem this time because it's all set up. The kids have a plan. Um, and so someone in the parish had a cabin on the west coast of the island, and so they gave us space to, to go and kind of redeem the days we had set apart. So we had a wonderful time, um, very restful, and it was kind of redeeming because we were in the Pacific Rim area with a place to stay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll choose to view it as Jesus kind of uh, making the best of a kind of a disappointing situation. So, sorry for the lack of communication. Thank you for your prayers and understanding about that. Now, today's Mother's Day. I've been here for five years. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I don't typically preach on the themes on Mother's Day or Father's Day. I tend to kind of just keep going with what we're doing. Um, but I felt quite strongly this week to, to do it differently this year and to take some time um, and to preach on this. I think... A big reason for that is because I think as a church, we're heading into a new phase of our building process. We've, been, we've kind of set out on this work when I first came to um, replant and relaunch the church to Oceanside. And to do that, we set out in the beginning years to relay and establish and make clear our fundamental foundation. What is that foundation? Jesus, the cornerstone. So we've been answering that question. Who is Jesus? What has he done? And what are the implications on our lives for that? And who are we in him? That's the big kind of fundamental question that we've answered. Having laid that, and with it a path for new people as they come in to enjoy and receive that and walk in that, the next phase, I think, of our, our building journey together is answering some new questions. If this is who Jesus is and what he's done and what this does to us, how do we then live? How does the way of Jesus save us, not only from eternal things and internal things, but how does Jesus save us from practical things? How does Jesus redeem us sexually in our singlehood, our marital lives, our parental lives, functions, our financial existence, and our communal life. 
These are the questions we really want to work out in the years to come. The vision for Christ's church is to be a place where you not only are safe to receive the gospel and heal from sin and the brokenness of this world, but to also be safe enough and strong enough to undertake the difficult task of building a life from the way of Jesus. Building a home and a family and a future and long-term healthy relationships from Jesus. Does that sound fun? We've seen that Jesus saves us utterly in our internal lives. We want to press forward into what are all the implications for us functionally. How does this change everything? Once we do that, there's future stages, I think, of building of how does the way of Jesus impact the world around us? That's, I think, phase three or something. So all this to say, this is where we're headed in this next year. So the opportunity to kind of talk about motherhood today, I felt I kind of wanted to take advantage of that. I've been in ministry 20 years. I've never preached a Mother's Day sermon. Is that funny? We'd always get like uh, a woman, a mother, etc., to preach on that subject. But I felt like today I kind of wanted to take it and do it myself. I hope that's okay. So here's my goal. My goal is not to teach on what or who a mother is today. I think my primary intent is to say this is who I see you have been as a mother. For the mothers within our parish, within our church, I want to talk about what I've seen in you. And again, it's limited glimpses, and I'm not in your day-to-day life. That'd be weird. But I do get to see who you are and see your families and see who Christ has made you. I think I also wrote this sermon as a way of kind of a tribute to Jackie because I need to do this without getting emotional today. I'm astounded at her as a mother, and I'm so proud of her. And I don't talk about that very often and would like to. But then as well as your pastor, I think on behalf of Christ Church, I also want to say, I've seen this in you too. And I was praying through the names this week of all of you that are mothers. And just thinking about you and what I've seen in you as individuals. And from Allison to Robin to Marika, all each of I've... Your name's listed in the notes here of just people I was thinking about. And so this is just me as your pastor. I just want to say a bunch of good things about you. Is that okay? You you okay with that? So our our New Testament reading today was 2 Timothy. And this kind of touches on my own story. Paul's writing to Timothy, who's his successor in a way. He's trained him. Timothy goes on to be a bishop of this region. Uh, the first non-apostle bishops, you know. And Paul talks about Timothy's story to go where you came from, your faith in Christ, which is really what qualifies you for leadership, came to you as a gift, first through your mother and, and your grandmother. Isn't that a beautiful text? So Paul's recognizing that Timothy's faith comes from legacy. 
And I think I, I see myself in that, of this legacy of having received sincere, authentic faith from my great-grandparents, grandparents, my mother, and now to my children, to my girls, through my wife. And I think this is a beautiful legacy. But what it comes down to is this. The primary focus, and we're going to see this through Proverbs 31 when we go to that in a second, is that what is most valuable is authentic and sincere faith in Jesus. So doing the work of making Christ your own. Because Christ has made you His own. That you have and are responding to what He's offered you by receiving it yourself. That this work of love as a mother begins with having been loved by God. That the depth of which we function in loving our children is always going to be proportionate to how much love we have allowed ourselves to receive from God. And having wrestled out that question as individuals of who is God and knowing Him and knowing His love for you. And who are you in that love? And how will you live because of that love will determine the way in which you love others. Right? These are the Christian fundamentals. And so I this sincere faith, when lived out, leads to a life that we see in Proverbs 31. Now, Proverbs 31 is a famous chapter of Scripture. Are you familiar with it? Where you hear it talked about the Proverbs 31 woman, or the Proverbs 31 wife, and it's this like standard that's held up. I wish I had time to go through the whole thing, because it's stunning. And it doesn't fit into the categories we think it's going to fit into. Especially when people try to go, this is what men are and this is what women are. Proverbs 31 blows those categories apart. We see a very strong, independent woman who's making big decisions for her family. We don't have time to go through all the verses, but she's going out buying land on behalf of her family. She's making big financial decisions, visionary decisions about the future for her family. It's actually quite stunning. But I want to walk through it starting in verse 25 and just hear how this woman is described because I felt like as I read through the verses, I went, this is what the women in our church sound like. This is what I see in you. And I just want it to be an affirming, encouraging word today for you. So verse 25 begins by describing this woman this way. Her strength and dignity are her clothing. Think about that for a moment. This is ultimately true of you because of who you are in Jesus. So loved, so secure, so redeemed, so forgiven, so cherished by God that the life that you live in the world is in clothing of strength and dignity. Isn't that profound? Not dependent on the performance of your children. This is one of the fundamentals I think parents need to hear. Think about this for a moment. If we 
judged parents by the performance or the actions of their children, and we were to do the same to God the Father, all we who have gone astray, is our dysfunction and unhealth and sinfulness a reflection of His goodness and perfection as a Father? Is it? No. So too often, I think, as parents, we go, I'm only as good as my children show me to be. I don't actually think that's a fair representation. So here, though, the woman is clothed in strength and dignity because of her sincere faith. To own Christ as your own is to own these two words, strength and dignity. Not powerless, not objectified, not exploited, strong and dignified. Verse 26 goes on, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. This is about the message that comes out of the mother's mouth. What is your wisdom? And I think as I've watched and listened to you, many of you mothers over these years, the wisdom that comes out of your mouth is the good news of Jesus. That's one of the phrases we use in our church. We're not here to give good advice. We're here to give good news of God's saving power. Do you understand the difference? This place is all about the good news of God's salvation. And so this woman, in Proverbs 31... What comes out of her mouth, the message that comes out of her, is God's good news. Where we would say as a people, Jesus' way is our way. Jesus' message is our message. And so what is the tone of her teaching on her tongue in this verse? What does it say? What's the tone of her teaching? Kindness. Why? Here's what I think. The reason it's kind is because kindness comes from security. Kindness comes from confidence. Anger, harshness, rudeness is insecure. I can actually tell in my preaching before holidays and after holidays where I'm at. My tone is a bit different. Before holidays, it's trying real hard because it's like, I got to get through the next few weeks and I'm tired. So, what does it come out? It comes up much more forced. Same with my parenting. But the Proverbs 31 woman knows who she is in Christ, knows her safety in God, knows the provision that is God's. And so, the message that comes out is kindness. I realize we're not perfect here. But this is the predominant message that I hear from you. Verse 27, She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. I missed a verse that I, or part of the verse I was really excited about. Sorry, verse 25 at the end of that. What's it say? And she laughs at the time to come. Why would a woman laugh at the time to come when she's taking care of young kids or older kids with grandkids 
Why would a woman laugh about the future? Because she's secure and confident. She knows no trouble in our future can come that will take us from the hands of God. Isn't that good news? So then, verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now, ancient wisdom, like the Scriptures, loves to highlight this comparison between the hard worker and the lazy person. Right? It's a consistent theme through the Old Testament, especially Proverbs. Right? Proverbs talks about this a lot. This does not mean that your house looks like it is right out of a magazine all the time. Listen to the words that comes out in this verse. She looks well to the ways of her household. I think our world looks at the ways of our household and goes, wouldn't it be better if we didn't have to do these things? Couldn't we just automate them somehow? Couldn't we just create some technology that does it for us? Right, the mundane day-to-day that I don't think is, is gender-specific. I think the reality is running a household with children has a lot of ways that you have to worry about, doesn't it? But what's the point here is that she looks well to those ways, meaning she looks with favor upon those ways and invests herself in them. The way of Jesus not only dignifies the person, The way of Jesus dignifies the creation. So doing the work of day-to-day life, Jesus dignifies it, values it. So that we would look at them and say, look at the good which this task does. Let us do this good together with God. That's essentially what's being communicated is that God looks at the ordinary life of the human life and values it and dignifies it, saying the simple, mundane, difficult things that you have to do over and over and over again are beautiful. It's like cultivating a garden with God in the home. Now verse 28 and 29, let's read them together. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Here's the truth. This is how we, your brothers, your sisters, your friends in this church, this is how we see you. I'm not... Mother's Day can kind of become this thing where it's like we just talk about how high it is to do the task, how beautiful the task is, how valuable it is because kids are valuable, and we revere you. But I mean for real. For real, we look at you and we go, you're doing this so wonderfully. You as a person are so wonderful. And we mean it. That you're blessed. This is the phrase. You're blessed. You're excellent. You're unsurpassable. Nobody else can do you. Be like you to those kids. Whether grown or young, nobody else can fill that role but you. It's incomparable. You are incomparable. 
Now, inside the mind of the mother, there, you probably don't think that way about yourself, do you? You're probably thinking more things like, if you only knew how hard I'm struggling. I survive each day. If you only knew how messy things are. If you only knew how little time I get with the kids the way I want to. If you only knew how filled with self-doubt I am. Look at all these other women. That's true success, and I'm not that. Is that fair? Or you might think, all my kids can see is my failures and my shortcomings. That I'm not even sure my husband thinks I'm a good mother. But hear me. When we talk in this little community about you, we speak highly of you. We don't see you the way that internal script tends to run. And do you know why? Verse 30 is how we answer that. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's your fear of God. And we, I know that language doesn't translate super well to younger generations today. When we say fear of God, what we mean is like respect. We see that He holds a role that nobody else can hold. He sets a standard that's good that we couldn't set ourselves. We respect who He is and recognize we can't do what He does. So it's a fear to say, I am not you. But also, it's about this sincere faith. Your defining quality is where and in whom you have placed your personal trust. That's what Christians believe. What defines you most is not your performance or your achievements. What defines you most is who you put your trust into. And who have you put your trust into? You've put it into Christ. You've invested your trust well. You don't trust in wealth. You don't trust in beauty. You don't trust in, like the proverb writes here, charm. Charm in this context is essentially deceitful. It's literally a lie lived out in public trying to go, I want other people to see me a certain way. And beauty is vain because it's self-serving. This is a woman who has worked on her internal life and genuinely, honestly lives out her faith in God towards others. In this community, so hear me, if with everything in you and the mess of your real life and the family that you're in, if everything in you is trying to trust in Jesus, it's the single most greatest qualification for you as a mother. You hear me? Do we believe that, church? Because you're in Christ, clothed in His righteousness, The good that you long to do can only come through trust in Him. So we, as your community, go, we see you in Jesus. Not your shortcomings. Not the difficult days. Not the hard points and the disappointments. 
We see you in Jesus and we believe in who you are. Love who you are. And what we're going to look at in the next verse is celebrate who you are. This outward show is deceitful and it's vanity. You're the real deal. Real women doing real work in really good ways according to the way of Jesus. Here's the right response to women that are living that way. Here's what the Psalms, or sorry, the Proverbs says. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Meaning, a woman who lives this way and fears God and trusts in Him should be praised. Deserves it. You hear that? Should be. This is the right thing for fathers, for children, and churches to do is to praise women who hold this quality. But in case you fear that this kind of value system will be used as a glass ceiling in the church of only valuing your inner life with God and your household life, I want you to watch what happens in verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So here's the two things that this highlights. The first, the Scriptures command that you get the credit for your hard work. Isn't that kind of neat? Here's the Old Testament Scriptures. The heart of God on paper. This is the heart of Christ. Is that He's saying the right thing, that you should get the fruit of your hands. You should enjoy the fruit of your hard work. Well done. Enjoy it. Is that good news? Especially for motherhood, because I think it's very easily feels like a very thankless job, doesn't it? If we store up our thanks for Mother's Day, it's not going to feel all that thankful, is it? But here, Jesus is saying He won't rob you of the enjoyment of the work of your hands. So I'm going to come back to that in a second. But essentially He's saying, you made this fruit with me. How many of you spent time meditating in the day going, here's the good fruit Jesus and I wrought together in parenting? Not very often, do you? You think the best thing you can do is be hard on yourself. Guess what? That is anti-gospel. Counter Jesus. Here the Scriptures are saying, you should enjoy the fruit of your hard work. So Christ is inviting you to an enjoyment that He already has about you. Now here's the second thing that this Scripture shows. This Scripture then says, that not only does God celebrate you, He also wants you to be celebrated and your works to be praised by others. Where does He want them to be praised in this verse? What does it say? In the gates. What does that mean? What happens at the gates? Does anybody know? What's that? People pass through. If we had time to go through the whole chapter 31 here, in verse 23, what we see is the gates 
is where all the elders and leaders of the land gather to make decisions. So Jesus' way leads to the celebration and respect of women and their works, where? Amongst the elders. I think we actually see this wonderfully amongst the apostolic company that's around Jesus. We have the 12 disciples who are representative of the 12 tribes of Israel, the elders, and the women closest to Jesus, and there's a beautiful function there, isn't there, in that community. But here's the point. Jesus is saying, I want to celebrate with you the hard work that comes from you trusting in me and loving your children. And secondly, I want it to be celebrated and praised by the leadership of the community. That's how highly he wants it valued. Isn't that beautiful? So all this to say, I think where my heart burns this week is just going, you're doing such good work. And I'm not just saying it like a Hallmark card. I truly mean it. The work that you're doing with your children and the way in which you're doing it is beautiful. For some of you older moms with adult children and you're starting to get into grandchildren, I've seen your diligence in your own heart of going, I'm, I get worried about these things for them. But what do I see you do? Trust in Jesus. Show up with that non-anxious love. Care for those families and those kids and speak life. You're doing beautiful, good work. Generational work. There are mothers here who don't have biological children. I highlight this consistently. Rosalind and Eleanor, they are spoken of in this community as legacy builders. Consistently. You know, I consistently hear Eleanor when people talk about health in this church, they trace it back to you. Do you know that? I hope you could accept that. But this is the kind of community we want to build. It's like sincere, like genuine, honest, desperate in our trust in Jesus. Working it out in real life where Jesus is celebrating the small wins. I'll tell you a little secret. She may not like this. My wife loves to grow plants for a very short amount of time. She tries so hard. But they don't last super long. So when a plant bears fruit, you should see how excited she gets about it. She'll like pull off this little tomato and she's like, taste this tomato. And you might look at it and you go, There's like six failed other tomato plants. But that one made a tomato. Now, the skeptic might look at that and go, let's work on those other plants, right? This text, Proverbs 31, represents God going, let's savor that fruit. Like, savor it, celebrate it, enjoy it, because that's the fuel and the tools needed to bear fruit in those other places, isn't it? 
But too often, we spend all our energy going, what's missing? What's wrong? What's lacking? Where could I be better? Where could I be different? And Jesus in the Scriptures is saying, let's celebrate who you are, who I've made you to be. Our relationship, your trust and respect of who I am as your God and Savior, and the beautiful fruit that's being born in your life and in your children and in your families. Like if we're going to do Mother's Day, let's do it for real. Let's do it right. Let's celebrate true good fruit that comes from Jesus. Now church, do we have women, mothers, biological and spiritual in this church worth celebrating today? Like I mean it. You are stunning. You're doing amazing work. And we're so privileged to know it, to see it, and to have you. And I genuinely celebrate you for your faith in Jesus today. So well done, friends. Let's turn our hearts to the table now.